Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. We use it, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. You nailed that line, Kratzy. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. AJ, what else? With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. That's true. And ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we've been connecting with fans more with polls and instant feedback. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are live. Foul territory coming at you on a Tuesday. Yeah, let me see. The Adam Jones. <laughs> In the title open animation. Kratzy, we're on one today when we broke a TV on Monday. I apologize to our friends at Beep. I don't want to throw the name no, out there. but We actually kind of maybe want to. Why? Because we should Because get they won't send a us a TV. new one. Until you have to lug it back to the wherever I'm, you're I'm, lugging it to. Yeah, I'm in a whiny mood today. I mean, Kratzy, we order a TV, right? Like, we have a pretty legit setup back here. We'll do a behind-the-scenes maybe later this week. Um, make the social team happy, too. And there's a TV facing right here near my camera. There's a TV facing um, AJ's camera. And that one broke, and we didn't throw a baseball at it. It definitely looks, it definitely looks like AJ sat on it. <laughs> just, <laughs> to spin out always, no it just means that tv just couldn't handle your girth well, that's what i'm saying but the screen's not even cracked it's like you know what happened scott's hair gel i think because it got a little odd and some of it splashed on the tv screen and like melted i was watching it yesterday it just like started as like this big and then it slowly over time just got black uh, the, it was like a black mass of blob just took over the whole screen yeah well, i've never seen like, it I've never Scott seen could, it happen. The picture Scott, you sent, it looked awesome. Scott's like, I'll fix it. I'm the tech guy. I go, well, how are you going to fix it? He goes, well, just turn it off and turn it back on. I go, okay, let me know how that works out for you. Well, I'm sorry. The TV is a month old and we did nothing to it. We treat it incredibly well and it dies. And I'm okay with that. Things happen, okay? What I'm not okay with is that you call the place up. They're going to give you a replacement, but they have to have it in their hands first. Send us the other one. You want to charge me? Charge me for the other one right now, and then you'll get the other one back. Give us the money back. You're not even going to send the TV yet? 
that makes me kind of question life and if we should just go in a different well, you direction. you should have bought the Sanyo TV like Kratz. should have won the Grapefruit League and got the Sanyo TV instead of, I'm not going to say the brand because I've never heard of it. Yeah. The 89-day plan where you yeah. return it on, on day 89? Exactly. Okay. We're in a great mood today. So <laughs> <laughs> good luck to Tigers manager A.J. Hinch, who's going to join us in about 15 minutes. Ken Rosenthal for his uh, multi-week appearance thing, um, reporting from the World Baseball Classic, working way harder than all of us. And Alex Fast, who is a, I, I would call him like, he was a few years ago, like a young, exciting prospect in the baseball media game and now really blossoming. He's all over the place. He's uh, to me kind of like, and we can ask him like who his comp is. Cause I was trying to explain to you guys what, what he does in terms of what he's bringing to the table analysis wise. And I would say a Mike Petriello, Mike Petriello kind of person where you're given, you're mixing stats with um, pitcher analysis. I would say that's kind of his game. He wrote a lot about um, the, uh, the impact of driveline. Have you ever been there by the way? Driveline? Pitcher? Why would I go to driveline? I don't know. Just to see what they do there. You're, like you're not curious. Yeah. Dude, you know where I live here. Seattle's like way over here. Have you not done a game out there? I have. So, so again, when you're out I live there here, yeah, Seattle's. I understand way over here. But I'm saying, for example, if you were going to Seattle for a game, you could. I've done one game in Seattle. Okay. And I was in LA. I flew up the morning of, and I took the red eye home. So I was there for about Five twelve minutes. hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I tried. Kratzy, have Next you been time. out there? I haven't. No, I flew. I flew one time from Atlanta to Seattle on the middle seat, back row, packed flight because I got traded there last minute, and I went from Atlanta out there. I got no need to ever go out there unless I'm going to visit my buddy Stephen Vote, and I sure as heck am not going to go to driveline to watch some dudes run as fast as they can and throw the ball into a net and then yell at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Recite that exact line to Alex Pass when we bring him on. Also, breaking pull downs. news. Those called pull downs, Scratch? Pull down, yeah. It's pull called down. Tommy John. See you later. <laughs> breaking news for all you guys. You're you're probably going to be at the All-Star game. So huh? make plans. What? I'll give you more details later. Wait, where anyway? Wait, wait, well, wait, wait, wait. Where's the All-Star wait. game? Seattle. Wait, again. I live here. I understand. The All-Star game is. Here. AJ, PJ. Oh yeah, you put up. Scott's buying. Nail. Hey, hey, and during that time, AJ, during that time, that's when my book gets released. You can't see it. I'm on the two shot right now. The morning. So how about Tim Brown hooks us up with the PJ? Tim Brown. Tim Brown with you, right? Yeah, he wrote the book. See, see if see if I can do this. Like um, lower, yep. lower, lower. There we go. Well, you're, you're blocking Tim's name, but that's okay. That's okay. Tim's He's humble. Tim's okay with it. Well, anyway, we're all going to be at All-Star. Can't wait for the seven-and-a-half-hour flight for AJ to get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go to Arizona, shall we, while we have 10 minutes? That's to, closer. What, Arizona? Yes, yeah. except it's way past AJ's bedtime yet again. Yep, USA. 10 o'clock Eastern. 10, you run, 10, 15 stars. You want to run it back? Here's the good news, though. USA wins 12-1 over Canada. Um, they scored nine runs in the bottom of the first, thankfully letting AJ go to bed <laughs> and saying well, game over. Yes, exactly. As soon as Mike Trout hit the home run in the first, make it 9 nothing. I'm like, night-night, termite. Yep. Game's over. The only question was, and by the way, Scott, I'm mad at you because you wanted to bet on the game. You said, hey, what are we betting on? I, I did said, bet on all I of the said, games. over Puerto Rico game, 10 nothing, winner. 
over USA game, 12 and a half, 13. Winner. Guess what Scott did? Took the under in the USA game. Listen to me, Scott. You'll, <laughs> you'll make your life easier if you listen to me. Yep. I, and I tailed it. I'm, yes. I'm tailing it, and I completely agreed. I even went a little deeper dive into it, and you didn't listen to us. This is why you're not friends. Well, and you don't, have a, you don't have a plane or a boat. But this is why you and AJ yeah. are not friends yet. You're just acquaintances. <laughs> Wait, Kratzy, did you actually tell it, though, both bets yesterday? Did you actually throw a little cash down? Oh, no, no, no. I thought, like, tailing it meant, like, I just agreed with you. Oh, my gosh. We did. How much did I win? No. No. What, uh, what do you mean, no? No don't, to don't, both Oh, my gosh. Not only, did you not, not only did you not tail me, you went against me, and then you didn't make my bet for me? You made a lot of money in your career, and you can't go in with your friend on a bet. I, I said to I you, told you bet me tell me bet on this. Well, also, if bet you did, you would have lost like five, ten bucks because it was, I think, one ten to win a hundred on the first and maybe one oh five to win a hundred on the second. So yeah. you would have lost a few bucks technically, so I saved you. But if you'd like to actually join your friend for any amount of cash at some point, please let me know. I bet every single night on WBC. It would be I, awesome if you got involved, even I, on a just, small extent. As you're going to be betting on games every single day during the regular season, is that you'd like legal? to actually put yeah. If you'd like to actually put <laughs> a little bit of money down, that would be fantastic. I'm just saying, like, Kratz, you're on the text, the thread. When it says put, what do you guys want to bet on? We're putting money down, and when I say, if you put me down for USA over and Puerto Rico over, doesn't that mean make the bet? No, it means uh, Kratzy to to quote Eric Kratz, Quantos, Quantos, tell me how much. And you're then putting you said a hundred dollars. I said. Hunter, yeah. No, no, Let's not do true. It. Not true. I, I'm not going to pull the thread up. I will pull the thread back up if needed. It's not true. It's a little vague. It was a little vague. I know what your pick needed to be, AJ, but how much you're putting down, that I'm not. When I see the text, it says, put me down for, put us down for this amount, which is 100. That means put us down. No, you did not say that. I, no, I you actually, said it. I actually jokingly on, said AJ's down for a buck because I know you weren't putting actually real money down. So. <laughs> you did, you did say that. Over you in did. the PR game, let's run that. 115 for me, a dollar, which I thought meant 100 because I'm not 115 for me, Scott, a dollar yeah. for AJ. And Kratz. But I thought a dollar meant 100, and that was like some betting lingo that no one's ever told me. No. About, like, oh, my God. <laughs> You thought a dollar meant a hundred dollars? No, it's like lingo. I hey, we're gonna this. start new lingo. Yeah, we're... I can't with this. All right, so here's the deal. Well, you're, At supposed the end... to teach... you're supposed to teach me. I will teach you. And At I... the end of you today's teach. show, we teacher. will place a real bet together, so it's not Oof. just me winning money all week. I only have a dollar. I've won four <laughs> out of my last six bets. So you only have a dollar. Well, good. I would have won two last night. I'd a be up two hundred. Yeah, you would. And instead, you're sitting here with me. You could have retired early. Oh, well. <laughs> so anyway, do we take anything out of USA Canada? For me, no. And here's why, Kratzy. 19-year-old A-ball pitcher, scared out of his mind. Great memory for him, of course, to go up against the dream team. But it was batting practice in the first inning. And he was having trouble throwing strikes. So nice to see them back on track. Also, great performance as expected by Lance Lynn. So... They avoided, I mean, an upset and and a terrible letdown that potentially could have knocked them out of the tournament. But this was a game that you expected them to handle pretty easily, no? I Yes, I would agree with you. I, I couldn't take something out of it. 
I would say it shows that in the WBC, you do have to throw strikes. And I think that could be an advantage as long as those pitchers that they have out there, you know, you know, we, we've talked how long and nauseam about how, you know, the best pitchers aren't out there. The, you know, we don't have Corbin Burns, Scherzer, Verlander, those guys, but the guys they have out there just need to go out and throw strikes. I think that was, that was part of, you know, the 19 year old kid from a ball. He wasn't throwing strikes. Well, everybody knows when you don't throw strikes, you just zone in even smaller and dudes were whacking it. I'm not saying this stuff isn't good. I'm saying when you're not throwing strikes it's to any hitters, I don't care if they're from Great Britain or, you know, the all-star team from America, you got you to gotta get ahead. And when you're not ahead, man, those guys just feasted on it. And they did do a good job of, you know, maybe not necessarily just trying to drive the ball out of the ballpark the whole time. I know Trout hit a homer, but it was kind of a line drive homer. I mean, here's what I take out of it. The USA is good. We knew that offense. Lance Lynn does what Lance Lynn does every time out. He throws it over the plate. Does a lot of fastballs. Can, can rush the fastball by you. But the thing that I worry about, not for USA, but for Brat, the guy who pitched for Canada, like he was visibly like crying on the mound when they took him out. Like he was like almost at tears. Like he wasn't crying. It was, no, okay, sorry, but he was like. <laughs> If you looked at him, they tried. They no. really didn't. No, listen. When they they showed him, and even they, I think they said it on TV, like he he was taken to a point like emotionally, where he, you could see his eyes were red, and he was like he couldn't believe that just happened. Does I mean this kid's a prospect, right? Like does this does this affect his career? He's 19 years old. He's pitching against Betts, Trout, Arnado, Goldschmidt. Like nobody expects anything out of him in an appearance like that. You know what? To me, isn't it worse if you're in the minor leagues and you give up a 12 spot and you feel like you have good shit that day and it's getting rocked? But I just hope it doesn't affect him down the road. Like I understand. But then we're going to ask, I'm going to ask Ken when he comes on, Ken Rosenthal. But my question is, is did Ernie, we'll get into, did Ernie Witt punt in this game and just say, I'm going to throw this guy. I don't know that we can beat him if we throw our best guy. And did he punt in this game and say, all right, we're going to try and win the rest and, and take second place and beat Mexico and, and whatever. But, you know, do you put, just put this kid in a bad spot. I, and listen, I know they've tried – they did it before when they beat they USA. they don't have much pitching. I understand that. But, like, <laughs> what do you want throw, them a to 30, do? throw a 33-year-old journeyman guy. Put John Axford out there. Let him throw curveballs for three innings. I don't know. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you just put this kid in a spot where it's like – I mean, listen, he goes out and deals. You never know. But – if I'm looking at it from the outside, and, and I, I think Kratz is, and looking at it as a catcher, there is a much higher percentage of bad, something terrible happening than something good happening, right? Am I wrong, Kratz? Like, that's just the way. Kratz, I'm going to cut you that's off. That's why I took the over, too, by the way, because <laughs> I had a feeling this kid was going to get. USA played like crap. They got yeah. embarrassed, and then they're facing a the kid, 18 or 19 year old kid. They're like, here we go, boys. I took the over because I thought it was going to be 10 nothing after five. You took the under. I mean, the under. Liar. I thought it was going to be 10 nothing, so that would have been under 12. Anyway, we need another catcher to help us out as we talk about the WBC and his squad. A.J. Hinch, Tigers manager, good friend of ours, joining us right now on foul territory, making his FT debut. Good luck to you, A.J. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the other A.J. and Kratz here are on fire already today. Great to talk to you. And Have you been watching WBC? I have, and I brought my friend Ty Cobb with me today, so you can you can <laughs> check him out behind me. But I, um, yeah, we've been watching. All, it's on the clubhouse all the time. 
like we we have a couple of our guys, Jonathan Scopes heading back from Curacao. Uh, they were in Taiwan. We've got Miggy, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez tonight. Javi Baez is being the magician that he is. So we're watching as much as we can. I'm watching at night. So I've seen some at Team USA. So it, it's kind of captured the whole sport. And and as all of us that have been in, the, in camps know, you kind of need it this time of camp. Like everybody's gearing towards opening day, but the middle part of spring is is kind of brutal sometimes. So what, you can make it up till 10 p.m. when they kick off? Because I'm, I'm having start. a hard time. Yeah, no, I can see the start of the game, and I usually wake up to the result. So I can I can usually make the first pitch. That 7 o'clock game I love um, – I watched the end of the Columbia game yesterday, um, and then, and then obviously when Team USA starts, I saw Lance Lynn throw maybe ten pitches, which, by the way, for him could be three innings. So, <laughs> very true, very true. How's camp going? How's uh, the team looking going into this season? Anybody standing out that we should be uh, paying yeah. extra attention to? Well, we're healthy um, so far. Knock on wood. I mean, it's to me that the. The toughest part of the spring is is the the unexpected injuries or or things that can happen. But um, we're doing pretty well. I mean, we've had the emerging some young players. The WBC kind of clears out some of the veteran players, and our and our younger guys are getting into camp more. We just sent out Parker Meadows, but he leads our team in homers. It's Austin's little brother, and I say little meaning younger. He's actually taller and bigger than Austin, <laughs> but um, that was cool to have both Meadows brothers back in camp. Um, we've, we've thrown the ball. Okay. Eduardo Rodriguez before he left was doing great. Spencer Turnbull coming back is huge for us. Um, he had a no hitter the last time, you know, he was active a couple of years ago. So, um, we'll see how the, how the competitions come out. We've got some young talent, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, guys that are going to carry this franchise moving forward that, that are having good camps. So, you know, I, I, I try that. to temper a little bit of the, the stats that come with spring training. You know how those can go, but um, it is nice that these guys feel like big leaguers after getting their feet wet last year. I love that you're talking about like those those young guys we talked about two years ago. Is that when you got the job? Yeah. Two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to know where you think this org is going in the next three years. Like what is your you've seen you've seen the Astros grow right. and then up to winning the World Series. Now you're here, and you know where do you see it? I know you talked about pitching. You talked about a lot of hitters today. In three years, what does it look like for the Detroit Tigers? Well, in manager years, three years is a long time, so you better hurry up if you want me to still be talking about it in three years. But I, I, I think the um, – I didn't come here to just sort of fill out the lineup card and watch these guys grow. I mean, you come here to win. Like our division – um, right now runs through Cleveland. I mean, they've been the most impressive team last year, high contact team. Their Tito does an incredible job of maximizing that roster. They can always pitch. Um, so we got to set the bar at how do you win your division? You know, how do you get, um, and the, the schedules change, but you used, you used to have to play them 19 times, but now you got to win this division and get yourself a shot at, in the dance. And I don't want to concede anything so we have some young guys but we also have some veteran guys that we want to have bounce back seasons and then you come to win and you win enough games you win some series you win some weeks you make yourself interesting put a ton of pressure on the front office to go out and get somebody at the deadline and then all of a sudden that's how 2015 happened when I was in Houston we weren't predicted at the beginning of that season to go be good so um, our job is to is to is to make us better team better players stay healthy 
Um, we're going to get Tarek Skubal back sometime this season. Casey Mize is rehabbing. Our strength of our pitching is going to get better. Um, I like Lorenzen and Boyd. I mean, I, so I, I've always been the manager, and Cressy, you played for me. Like, why concede today? Like, what what is the problem with with us going out and surprising some people? And that's the mindset we're taking. And who needs to, who needs to be the guy to step up then? Who's who is the guy that you're saying? Hey, you know what? I can say this about him because. I'm the manager, and you're, you were always up front. I remember one time, I'm, I'm going to interrupt the question I asked to tell a story about um, Mariznick. Yeah. Mariznick was batting, I think, like fifth in the lineup one day, and he walked in, and you looked at him, and you go, I don't like what I see. You're hitting ninth now. And you took the lineup <laughs> down. Yeah. You took the lineup down, and Mariznick is like, if you guys have ever, like, Mariznick's full of energy and like yeah. his hair is his life. Like he's out there catching passes. And it was like, just took a, just, just a pin to the balloon and deflated the man. Like, <laughs> he didn't like the energy and he goes, you know, but he called him out. The, the, the reason yeah. the story was he called him out. Yeah. Who's the guy? Who's the well, guy you that you off, need to step up? You know, you say deflated and I just said motivate. Like I hear motivate. I motivated him to, to go be good. I, I think you just got to be real with players and I don't mind putting pressure on players. I, I think, and we all came up in a different era where like you needed to perform or you got sent to the minor leagues. And that, that is still true. But it, but I think with players, you can't be afraid of the pressure or the moment. You got to put as much on them as you can. So I'm unapologetic that we need our young players to be good. We need Spencer Torkelson and Riley green to be every bit what people think they can be. And our job is to, protect them while they're learning that way that that craft in that way and then putting them in the middle of the lineup and letting them know I trust them I believe in them and I want them to be good um secondly we need our veteran players to accept younger players in our clubhouse we have a kid Kerry Carpenter who came up last year after hitting 30 homers does it a little bit differently um has a little bit of a funky stance has a little bit of an uphill move to the ball uh, but it's worked for him, and so we're not going to try to reinvent the wheel. We're going to get him to get the ball in the air and get it to the pull side and get it out of the ballpark. Um, Akil Badu, Rule 5 pick two years ago. Um, it's speed. It's defense. It's like be yourself, and then we will work around you, and my job is to put you in a position to be successful. So um, our young players are going to carry this team. Obviously, Javi and Scope and, and – Austin Meadows, guys that have that have been there, that kind of their track record speaks for itself. We need them to be good, but this organization is starting to turn the corner because we are are talented as our young players are getting to the big leagues at the same time. And the trades that we made this offseason, Scott Harris, my new boss, made some trades to um, you know that that took a took a little bit of our bullpen out of play. But now Matt Veerling coming off a World Series team and Nick Mason coming off a World Series team. Those guys expect to to be good. And so um, I'm trying to figure out exactly what style of play we're going to have. We're going to play to win. I know that. Uh, and I'm going to put – I'm going to be unapologetic of putting guys in a position that I think helps us win um, that game today. And that's going to come with some guys sitting that may not like it or some guys that may have to get pinch hit for because we got guys on our team that are really good against one side or the other. But – they know I'm in the trenches with them. They know I'm going to be real with them, and that's that's the way I've always managed. So, so AJ, uh, I, I, the first question I have is why did Mariznick? What what did Mariznick do? <laughs> was he were you mad because I mean your hair is on point, but his hair is always on point. So I don't know if you got up and put some gel, Brian. 
Scott <laughs> next to me here was a little jealous because your hair is better than his today. So I don't know if like yeah. Marisnik got mad because your hair was on point. But Maybe. what did Marisnik do to get so what, to move from five to nine after the lineups posted? Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> no. You know what? I bet I don't know that to be a hundred percent, but I probably set that up on purpose to 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 break some of the monotony of the season. I I can't imagine I put him fifth on purpose. Um, <laughs> probably meant for him to be in the nine hole. So I was either setting up an easy dig on Marisnik or that Springer and some of the boys would get a good kick out of it. But um, I, I think for him, like he, I, I just, I want to be in the, in the clubhouse with the players. I want to, I want to be in on the inside jokes. I want them to give it back to me. There's always a time to be serious, but with Jake in particular, I was able to, to kind of set him up to be poked fun at. And then, uh, and then he would poke it right back at me. He, he actually, to this day, he's the only player that's ever hurt me because I thought I could beat him on a first step in Oakland um, a few years ago, and I ended up pulling my groin. I was hurt for the rest of the year, so that hurt my golf game, which is which is dreadful. Well, don't you don't you know that like you're we're old now, and we don't need to I be know. racing or trying anything. I mean, I know you know you so, get older when you manage. Both you guys that want to manage one these days, I hope you do. You guys, you're gonna get older like me too. You're gonna get this gray hair like I'm like I'm rocking. That's, that's why people ask me. I'm like, dude, have you seen these managers? They age like <laughs> it's like presidents. They age like ten per each year. I always but, tell myself if I was a better hitter, I wouldn't have to manage. Then I could, <laughs> I could uh, do something different, but I couldn't hit a slider. So speaking of old, speaking of old guys and, and, and you know, veteran guys or gray-haired guys, Miggy. Miggy's last yeah. year, he's already come out and said, like, what's his – is his role going to be DH, mentor? You just mentioned that you're going to have to put guys and pinch yeah. hit for guys. And situ- like, have you had that talk with him? What's his role – for the for the 2023 Tigers. Yeah, so let me give you a story. And and Cratchy's been in the in the clubhouse before. When I stand up in front, I try to entertain the guys. I want to make I want to make it light. There's always something in there that I'm trying to, like a point I'm trying to get across. But with Miggy, on the first day, I was like, man, I got to make sure this guy knows how much we respect him. How much it's his clubhouse. This is his 20th major league season. Um, you know, I got guys that are 21 years old in the clubhouse that are that are in their first big league camp. And Miggy was was rocking the Marlins gear back then and homering off Roger Clemens when these kids were born. So um, but the one thing that we can do to honor Miggy is play better. Like all he really wants is us to win. Like uh, there'll be times where I've come in, you know, you want to hit him third. You want to hit him fourth. I slid him down to fifth and I'm like, hey, Miggy, let's have a talk about it. And he's like, why are you hitting me so high? We got these young dudes who are supposed to be carrying the lineup. Like, I'm old. Like, put me down a little bit. Um, he is the ultimate team dude. And so I've had the talk with him, like, hey, day games after night games hard. Um, obviously, I've, we've got other options if guys are going to be good. Uh, but the more Miguel Cabrera contributes, the more it's going to be normal workload for him. If he falls below that and all of a sudden physically he can't do it or he's not handling certain style pitchers, I'm going to treat him like every other player, which is all that he really asked for. Um, he wants to contribute to wins. You see the stuff he's doing in the WBC, and he's hitting bullets left and right, and, he, and he's energized. And that's because that team has a chance to win the WBC. And I think the more that we win, the better that he's going to be in his final year. We're going to honor the hell out of him. We're going to we're going to be tipping our caps to him. We've already had it, but he he, he doesn't want to be the focus of attention. He wants to win. And so hopefully our guys can respond to that and and, and provide him a a really good send off. Speaking of winning, and you mentioned your golf game had to take a hit when you pulled the groin. Take us through you and Tiger playing together <laughs> and you beating him. 
Go. Oh man, I don't know about beating him, but my the stories get better the further I get away from college. But like, so Tiger and I were in college together. He was at Stanford, and and we both got hurt at the same time. So he, you know, he hurt his knee. I hurt my shoulder. We're in the training room. Like I know who he is. There's no way that I that I know who he is. So we start talking golf. And one thing that you know about all of us in baseball is we think we know a lot more about other sports than we really do. Right. Like we always get mad at, at people that talk about baseball as if they're experts. But we will certainly tell you what play should be run in football, how you should play this golf hole, who should be doing this, who should be doing that. So with Tiger, everything was a bet. So every time something would happen, he would want to take you to the driving range and he would want you know, have putting contest or whatever. And there was one time in college where he took me to the to the, the practice facility late at night maybe a few adult beverages and we're going to have a putting contest and I make one and called the contest off because I was like, that way I beat Tiger Woods. This was before I mean, he was an amateur champion, but we kind of knew we didn't know he's going to be the greatest ever to play, but we knew he was going to be a big deal. And so we would go back and forth. We dated roommates for a while and got to hung out a little bit when we've, we've reunited at Stanford a couple of times. And then in 17, he's a big Dodger fan. And so I saw him in the, in the front row at Dodger stadium. So, um, some Tiger Woods stories, a few pictures I can't share uh, on social media, and, and, and a lot of good banter. Wow. So, AJ, I think we've talked about this, and I, Scott and Eric do not know this story, but we've talked about this. So when I was out of high school, because we're similar age, you're a little bit older than I was. Old. but Old. True. But he was at Stanford. AJ was at Stanford. And the coach, Mark Marquis, who was at Stanford forever, who you played for, he calls me and says, hey, we want to recruit you to come to Stanford. I said, okay, cool. And he's like, you know, set up the visit, the whole deal. Well, I call him like two days. If you leave on a Friday for your visit, so it's like Tuesday. And I don't know who the assistant was at the time. He calls me and says, hey, you're still coming on Friday. And I said, well, wait a minute. I'm like, you guys have this other catcher. His name's AJ also. Wasn't he like first team All-American, first team All-World? And they're <laughs> like, yeah. And I go, why in the world would I go to Stanford and have to sit two years behind him? And then you ended up coming back for your senior year. So it would have been three years. I'm like, why would I come? And they're like, you know, we, we'll try you at DH and first. And I'm like, no, like, sorry, guys. But like, I'm eh, eh, no Stanford for me. And obviously, you know, you went to Stanford and look at you. And then I didn't go to Stanford. <laughs> look at me. So, like, I mean, it's maybe I messed up. Tell me I was tell me I made the right decision here. Well, baseball wise, it would have been awesome to have you out there. Uh, but you would have like school wise, you would have hated it just like I did. And every other player that goes there and gets <laughs> grinded on, we had to take finals during the college world series, which I thought was like, was like a big, big disadvantage. But we later reunited in the big leagues and I'd take your big league career over my big league career. So who really won? Like I might've won the amateur days, but I think you might've won the. Yeah. But look the, at you. Look at you now. Yeah. But again, like we, we can debate this, like, I get to make the decisions and you get to tell me when I'm wrong on TV. Like, it's a, it's a, I'm not sure who's winning hey, I'm, who's I, this deal. I'll say, I'll say this. You don't make many wrong decisions. Uh, I, I appreciate that. No, there's that's one we're not going to, there's one we're not going to get into, but there's, there, you know, <laughs> but, you know, there's usually when we talk, we've had a lot of talks to you and I and, and yeah. managers meetings and you, you always, and like Kratz said, you, the one thing I love about you is you're honest. You'll tell us things there's so many stories he's told us that we can't tell on the air and about like why, but like, no, I mean like why he makes decisions and he's like, look, I can't have this get out, but this is why I'm not hitting Marisnik fifth. Right. And it's right. like, 
Right. We won't ever say that, but in our mind, at least to give us an idea of what to look for and what he's and he's always AJ's always been honest about and open, and I respect the hell out of him. No, I, I want those Tiger Woods that. pictures though. Oh boy! <laughs> no, I can text them, but I can't share them. I, I can share them personally, but I can't necessarily share them on public platforms, as we know, go viral. Fair, fair. Yes, text off the record kind of stuff. Hey, That's I wanted right. to ask you a couple Tiger things quick here. First off, because I, I feel like this kind of um, snuck under the radar. I don't know if our guys knew. Comerica Park got a little makeover, so they're moving in the fences. Center field's ten feet in. Woo! Still second deepest center field to Colorado. My favorite part, and I think this should be mandatory in all ballparks, is that the fences have been lowered seven right. feet in center and right, which is about a foot and a half difference. Okay, but in right center, for example, it's from it's almost chopped in half, and that promotes athleticism and home run robbery. So right. whenever there's a ballpark that has a wall too tall anywhere, Fenway, I get it, but other spots, I'm like, that's just stupid because those are some of the best plays in baseball. So. How pumped were you to see yeah. that? Of course, for your team, but also just as a fan of the game. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. And the fence coming in was probably overdue with just how the topic of it. Like, I don't – I think you got to have a, a field that you can build a team for and, it, and you play a certain way. And, you know, it's like old school back on the turf, you would have fast teams or, like, the small ballparks, you'd have these mashers that could hit the ball out of the ballpark. And we, we're going to be somewhere – it's still going to be a pitcher's park. Like, the fence in center was so far – that it didn't matter if it was a six-foot fence, a three-foot fence, a 10-foot fence. Like, nobody was going to get to 422 or whatever it was in order to rob a home run. And now it's at 412. Now I'm waiting for the first hitter to hit it 410 to dead center field. And it says on the on the app or whatever, like, it would have been a homer in 24 out of 30 parks. And they're going to come in and be, be still be mad that the fence isn't, isn't close enough. But um, it'll be a little bit more of a fair park, especially for our home hitters. I'm just hoping that first home run over that new fence is ours. Like, there's going to be nothing worse than the one that falls in between those fences if it goes against us. But um, it's overdue because the ballpark is just such a deflating experience to for our hitters, and the psyche of 81 games matters. And it's still going to be a big enough pitcher. And Matt Boyd summed it up best when we signed him. And he was a previous Tiger, then went away for a year, and then he comes back. He's like, if a dude hits a ball 415 feet to center – it probably should be a home run. That's fair. That's fair. Now, this is this is coming from somebody. You have one more career. I just looked it up. You have one more career home run than me, so you officially nice. have more power and more hair than me. But the question is, I looked at your bio here. Okay, you were a second rounder, a third rounder, and a third rounder. Right. Was where you were drafted. Are you did, – did you meet expectations as a player – more or as a manager more? So the way I phrase it as I get older, it, I just had to play in order to set the stage for me to manage. That was a means to an end for me. Like, like I thought at first I was going to, you know, you're going to be the star. You're going to go catch for 10 years. You're going to go make a ton of money and you're going to ride off into the sunset for the rest of your career. Um, what I found out was that's just a valuable experience to set up this. I'm in my 10th year managing which I would have never dreamed of doing. I never thought I was going to do it. I actually thought um, I was going to do other things in the game and, and, and I've been able to do this a few times. So um, I've always considered uh, my career as underachieving on the field. And I've been super proud, except for the, the, the issue in Houston with my manager career and how I've been able to impact players, develop relationships, and ultimately 
experience a ton of stuff on the field. So um, obviously I'm, I want to, I want to manage as long as somebody wants me to be in the dugout and, and be pulling the strings a little bit. But I, uh, I think the, 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 the playing career, I was super frustrated at the end of my playing career that I wasn't a better player. I, I'll talk about my homer off Clemens or Sabathia and some of the big names that'll, that'll be the highlights of my career. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I see it. I like it. I like it. So AJ, are you more of an offensive or a defensive fan as a manager? Um, probably defensive. I mean, the okay. pitching side of it, I'm dialed in on because, I mean, I'm super hard on our catchers because, you know, it's a position I'm the most comfortable with. And I think we can control the game on with by what pitch we call, the pitch shapes, how I sequence, how I make our pitches better, the kind of the field general. I mean, it's just managing is just an extension of, of what we did behind the plate for all of our careers. So, well, well then, I'm, no, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm only cutting you off for one reason. Go back to the original Comerica Park. You'll love the defense. Get a fast center fielder. It was gigantic. There were the, where the fences were last year. There was like another twenty feet. There was a flagpole in center field. I know. Their bullpen was in right. It was like twenty feet deeper. We when we first opened it, we had Tory Hunter in center. We're like Tory, just go catch everything. We're gonna no hit doubt. it to center, and he would just go like go back to that when Juan Gonzalez complained about like it's i'm not signing there it's too big well right go back to that let's see some pitching and defense yeah but but most of the time in the big leagues when you hit a ball in the gap it doesn't stop rolling before it gets to the fence like that was the problem <laughs> it was like little league when they didn't have a fence and the ball would just stop rolling and then all of a sudden they'd pick it up and throw it in so there's probably a happy medium hopefully we found it but i um I'm with you. Like the big park doesn't doesn't bother me it, it, near as much. But as a player, that front row homer, which was emptying my tank to the pull side, was was pretty was pretty frustrating over the old <laughs> fence. And now they're complaining about a fence that was ten feet in. Now it's coming another ten feet in. So it uh, times are changing. AJ, I have one more. Um, so we had Correa on like a week and a half ago and went over all the ankle doctor stuff. And I was, you know, and we're like, are you pissed at him? I'm like, are you pissed at the ankle doctor? Because he was supposed to be in San Francisco or New York, and now he's back in your division, and you guys are going to have to deal <laughs> with him for a long time. Maybe I, yeah, maybe I should have a problem with this doctor. I'm like, I would have signed <laughs> off on an ankle for him to go west. Like, I was fine with him either. Coach. Uh, I'm happy for him. I such a good relationship with him, and, and, and I was texting with him the other day. We went down to Minnesota, and, and he played, and, um, you know, those things are really hard deal with and I see it now from a completely different angle because of the, the managing player relationship but I um, all these guys I mean I, I kind of hope they all sign with with the West Coast teams or the East Coast teams and stay out of the central um, especially if I have a long history Springer did his part he went and signed in Toronto Altuve can stay in Houston his whole career hopefully JV did a nice job like these guys that I've managed um, I'll be fine if those guys stay on the coast and, and stay out of our division Yes. Amen. Well, good luck. Um, enjoy the rest of spring training. Thanks for coming on. Kratzy's a broadcasting star now, as you can yep. see, doing a live show every day. So I'm sure he'll bug you again at some point. Yeah. No, anytime. And you guys come uh, come hang with me whenever you can. Yes. No, dude, I, hey, I live in Orlando. I try to stay out of Lakeland. You know that. <laughs> you know that. Lakeland is a no, no There's go. too many good restaurants for AJ at Lakeland. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm on a diet. I got to avoid it. That's right. That's right. Central Florida can't beat it. <laughs> Appreciate it, AJ. Have a good one, All man. Right. See you later. AJ Hinch with us. You wouldn't go to Lakeland?
for a no, little I Tigers wouldn't. camp. No, absolutely. Talk to him. He's, yeah. he's, he's one of the best. Uh, we should. Go great. talk to Miggy. Go talk to Miggy after that. The w. We can get, maybe get Kratz to fly down. <laughs> you might have to get a suntan, but uh, maybe well, not. Well, we got to buy a new TV now, so sorry, yeah. Kratzy. <laughs> no, it's out of, no, out of the like, budget. Greyhound or Amtrak. There you go. <laughs> no, AJ's great, though, and I didn't know the whole Tiger Woods connection. Yeah, because he was there at the same time. Did he say at one point, I didn't want to you know, follow up there, did he say him and Tiger dated two people that were roommates? Roommates, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll leave, oh, we'll leave it at that. I'll, yes. I'll ask him to send the pics so we can send them through the text messages. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm like curious for the theme well, of these photos. Well, so Tiger, you know, probably dress up nights. Yes. Like, ah, like fraternity, yes. sorority. Theme party yeah, stuff. Like, Hall- stuff. Halloween. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot you of know, Halloween if, pictures. If times ever get tough, you can definitely sell those to TMZ for no, six not, figures. Not, I never would do that to anyone. No, I'm kidding. I'm not saying so, us. That's not of, ours. No, it's AJ. Kratzy, speaking of TMZ, the other day when I, Scott was over here, I took him out on my boat. One of the first questions he's asked is, where's Tiger Woods' fire hydrant? I didn't ask he's that. Like, that was one of the first things that you brought he goes, up. No, he goes, he goes, wait, Tiger Woods used to live around here. Where did it happen? And I'm like, oh, the fire hydrant? And they moved it. It used to be right there. <laughs> there's like, no, oh. there's, first of all, there's no way that Scotty is the first one that brought up Tiger Woods living around there. We know it was what? you oh, nope. saying. Name drop city right here. No, I have so many thoughts on the AJ boat tour. Number one, everyone should experience it. Number two, we should get it on video, but I don't think you can because I think it'd be creepy if you're taking video of people's houses. <laughs> um, number three, Tiger Woods had by far the least impressive former house on all of Lake Row or whatever the hell you call that. It was. Not as big as I thought. It was not as flashy as I thought. And for a guy that I think has a lot of money, I expected much better. Is that fair? Yeah, but you have to remember this was early Tiger Woods. As in what? He only had three hundred million instead yeah. of eight hundred million. Yeah. Okay. And he, he still should have a cooler house. I'm gonna make sure my hopefully my friend that lives there now is watching this show. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying they're so but, impressive that yeah. you're expecting Tigers then to be well, like. Looking like I don't know, you're on the moon or something. Well, okay, so you, yeah, well, you know what I'm saying. Tigers was the last one he saw, Eric. Yeah, there's so like in like half a mile radius, you have like Grant Hill who has this mega house, and you have Barry Larkin who had this mega house. And they were right next to each other, and then you kind of go around the corner, and there's Tiger's house. And he's like, "That's it," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's where Tiger lived," and he's like, "It doesn't make any sense." And I'm Scotty's like, bougie. Scotty's yeah, bougie. Yeah, I mean. So is everyone else that lives on that lake. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but you were impressed by them. Like you're bougie. You were like, eh, you know what, Tiger? Yeah. I just figured with the amount of money he had that it would be more of a to do. Well, he did have the driving range, right, right next, right across the street, right across the street. Yeah. His own driving range? No, no, the golf course's driving range, right yeah. across the street. You again? See, Kratz playing to my theory. Shouldn't he have his own driving range? Michael <laughs> Jordan has his own golf course. True. John Smoltz has, what, a certain amount of holes on his property? No? Doesn't know. he have, like, nine holes on his property? I don't think so. Uh, he's got he's got at least a few. Oh. So, well, Tiger, you know. Real estate's expensive down here in, in Orlando. I'm coming from New York City, so everything's big to me. But anyway, um, AJ was great. And I didn't want to go too hard on the Tigers because I don't, I mean, it, it's not his fault. He's not the GM or the owner. But the Tigers do not have a good roster. 
They that's, need that's more. not a good team. You know, they've, they've made some signings. Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez. Like, Javi Baez. Baez. Yeah, but these are role more. player signings. That, not those are not star player signings. Not the amount you paid. You paid a lot for Javi Baez to be a role player. It's you paid more a lot than for that. Eduardo Rodriguez to be a role player. And more than role players. Eduardo Rodriguez, yeah. you know how valuable 30 starts is. Eduardo Rodriguez, he posts a lot. Javi's out there a lot. I get it. He strikes out a ton, but they're more than role players. They might have overpaid, but to me, I would say Javi Baez. What do you think? You think it's more like the uh, uh, Jason Worth signing by the Nationals when they signed him? Eh, no, because my thing is, Kratzy, for example, let's look at this past World Series. The Houston Astros win it. I mean, this is a little much, but like Javi Baez is not better than Altuve or, I mean, he wasn't better than what we saw from Jeremy Pena. And even more so with Eduardo Rodriguez, he's not even the seven starter on the Astros. Like what, if on a World Series winning team, where does he slot? Great for the regular season, eat up starts. Where does he slot on in the playoff rotation for you? It's a four for me. Eduardo Rodriguez? Yeah, four. Put him on the yeah, Phillies, he's three. Behind Wheeler and Nolan? No, he's four behind Ranger Suarez. I think Ranger yeah, Suarez is agreed. better than him. But, 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 here, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you sign Eduardo Rodriguez, you're signing him because, and I know this because I talked to AJ quite often when he got the job, and he talked about those guys that they have coming up through their system, and they have had so many injuries. From Casey Mize to is it Canning or Manning? Like Matt Manning, Scoobles hurt. Scoobles, yeah, like but are any of those guys ones or twos? That's the other question. Well, Mize was one one pick in the country. That doesn't it, mean that he's a number one starter. That's what you've drafted him. You're yeah, but that's I what, understand. But there's a difference between injuries and are these guys going to lead a rotation? I want to hear the other catcher talk now. Go ahead, Crab. <laughs> I you you're you're setting you're setting your team up. You're not going to win with your free agent signings. If, let's, who was who the best available when they signed Eduardo Rodriguez? You know, they weren't going to get Verlander. So let's say you traded for DeGrom somehow. Like, DeGrom's not giving you 30 starts, so your, your prospects are coming up and having a huge load. If you have all three of those starters, Scooble, Manning, and Mize, healthy, now all of a sudden it's okay that Eduardo Rodriguez – Absolutely comes out every five days, gives those guys a break that he, you know you're going to get six innings out of them, and you start building your bullpen around. They had, they had Soto in the bullpen. Now they got rid of him. They had, you know, I think when AJ came in that first year, I think they won 77 games. You know, they were close to 500. That was going to be the turning point. That was going to be the time now all of a sudden Torkelson comes up. Now, all of a sudden, Kerry Carpenter comes, comes in after having an incredible year in the minor leagues. Give him a shot. Like, the pieces, I think those two pieces were filled in, and then I think this offseason would have been different had those young pieces really done well. And they didn't. They didn't. And that's, that's not against Eduardo Rodriguez or Javi Baez. I think what he said about Miggy is the same as with Javi Baez. Javi Baez plays with a ridiculous energy if you're not winning it is really tough to have that same energy every single day and people are going to complain oh you still got to play the same listen you're not a superstar and i'm not saying javi Baez is a superstar 
But for most of 2018 with the Cubs, he was almost an MVP candidate. He was up there in the top. I think he ended up finishing top five in 18. Like, you're winning. You're out. Those are guys that are playing above average. You're losing. I'm not saying that they're not above average players. I'm saying that there's just, you're just not quite getting the same out of them. Kratzy, if I know you couldn't see because your program was just you, but if you could have seen Scott's face, he had his lip out. Did, like, here, hold on. He was like this. Did you? Lip did out. you? Did you step on it? No, he was like this. <laughs> the whole so then, time. Wait, the all I'm doing time. is saying it. I'm, I'm, I'm saying what all fans in Detroit are saying right now. It's not a good roster, and and what Kratzy just said played to my point. He's saying like. They, they didn't no. develop the guys. Some of them are hurt. This is all playing to my point. They haven't gotten major major signings besides Rodriguez and Baez. And for Baez, for me, I mean, yes, he was incredible in 2018, but he's a super streaky player. He's good. He's not great. He's not a yeah. superstar franchise player. He, needs he to be wasn't better. their top he needs. He needs to be better. They wanted Correa. Correa he, said no. He needs to be better. He needs to be better. But I don't I don't think that he is going to be better a top 10 you know, player in be the better. big leagues. I think, I think he is what he is at this point. He's been in the league for a long he's time. Pretty good and he's rich. So. But do you both Yeah, but they're agree? not paying him to be a top 10 player. True. They gave him a lot you, of money. You just said, yeah, you just said that, that he's not a role player. They're paying him to be the guy. To be better. On he's that team, better. he needs to be the guy. Are we on the same page? It's not a good team and not a good well, roster. they're not a good team. I mean, they're not going to win the division. I right. think they're not good yet. I think they're two years behind from where they were when they started, when they hired AJ. Yes. I the think... The rebuild. I... I that's why they got rid of their GM. They got rid of Avila, right, this year? Yeah, Bought because they've guy. been rebuilding for a while. They sold off parts. They had top-level picks, and it didn't work out. And there was even a quote from almost exactly a year ago, or it was 2021, mid-July, uh, Avila, GM at the time, quote, we're not rebuilding anymore. We're building. That and was they were. two years ago. And now I he's know. gone. Now they're I mean, rebuilding they again. I'm just saying, <laughs> they've been rebuilding, rebuilding for seven years. <laughs> like, they're, they're, it just didn't work. That's why there's a new front office. Scott Harris, I think, is going to do a great job. They'll get back on track. My only point for this whole thing was, AJ's dealing with the cards he has right now. I think he's one of the best managers in baseball. The Tigers mm-hmm. aren't good. It's not a good roster yet. Whether they're going to be good in a few years, sure. Hopefully everyone is. But they're not good right now. But they, but they have, to me... They have the people that got picked in the positions they got picked in to be good in a couple of years. That's why I asked the three-year plan because when I talked to him in two, what year did he get? He he got he got the contract in 2021 after COVID. He signed with the Tigers. AJ did. Yes. And he was giving me the three-year layout of what was happening. So he and I both know what we were talking about. He had a three-year layout. This that three year layout from 2021, the beginning of 2021 till now, look differently if they don't go 66 and 96 last year. They almost lost 100 games. Well, their three year layout is now a four, three, five, seven, nine. I mean, how many years are we? I mean, the three. It's layout, now three years again. Well, it's no, now three years again. But they're three. Yeah, but you can't keep saying like three years, three years, three years, three years. I mean, pretty soon the fans are like, hell no, I ain't three years no more. But but it's it, still the same guys. It's still yeah, Scooble. It's still Scooble who can't stay healthy. It's still Mize who can't stay healthy. It's Torkelson who we had on the show. Seems like a great kid. Didn't do it last year. Riley Green is they're hoping is going to be a superstar. He didn't really. I mean, he was good. I mean, as first year, but he wasn't like oh wow. And he was hurt. I get it. Right. 
But they had Candelaria, who's no longer there, right? They had all these guys, Baez they brought in to kind of mentor these young guys. Miggy's on his way out. They're, 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 they're young pitching. We already said Manning Scooble. These guys can't stay healthy. They got rid of Soto. Uh, so, uh, so, Soto, 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 sorry. So it's like, where are they as an organization? I know they brought in a new GM. So it's like, all right, we're starting over. So now do they say, okay, AJ, you get three more years until you were expecting you to be good? Like at some point, the three years has to stop. And this is why I miss Mike Illich, is he just go out and be like, give me Prince Fielder, give me Miggy, give me Dontrell, give me Verlander, give me Scherzer, give me... They're doing none of that. They're doing none We're of that. We're looking at their huge signings over the last several years and saying Eduardo Rodriguez, who's a four, a solid, consistent four, and Javi Baez, who's not a star franchise player. I think he's one notch below that when he's at his ceiling. Yeah, okay. And that's it's- all you've done. Is he is okay? Let's say let's say okay. They went 77, 66. Let's say this year they win eighty three games and they no miss the playoffs. You know no they're chance. they're no, no chance. You're you're not no chance. I no like chance. AJ Hinch. He he's not it's not, not a five hundred ball club. Okay, okay, but I'm I'm setting it out to say this. They sign Shohei Otani. Are they a playoff team? Just because they're not. They they're Shohei? not. Wait, I mean, why if they are we playing Shohei? fantasy games? Yeah, we're like, not, this, this is isn't weird. fantasy baseball. They're not <laughs> so what, do you, sign what kind of signing? What kind of signing do you want? Like you can't just say they didn't sign anybody. Who do you want them to sign? Well, I want them to develop their players and make them healthy and make them yes. good, like the Cubs did, like the Astros did. Look at the yes. teams that win. They have their homegrown guys, and then they sprinkle Supplement in a it. big free agent. Yes. And the Cubs were the kind of the poster. The Astros actually were. They did it. They broke it down to nothing. Right? Boom, Altuve. Boom, Bregman. Boom, Correa. Boom, these guys. Tucker. All these guys they either developed or traded for when they were young, brought them all in, right? Then who do they go get? Verlander, put them over the top, World Series, right? Cubs, 16, who do they go get? John Lester, John Lackey, boom. Here we go, Jason Hayward. Say what you want about him, but he won a World Series there, right? The rest of the guys, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, were kind of all homegrown guys. Wilson Contreras, right? Boom, these guys are the ones that put them over the top. Then Astros, same thing. Even the Nationals, you know, all these teams, they kind of did these things to, they, but you have to grow guys in your system, and you have to have enough because not even the Yankees anymore can go out and buy guys. That's why you see their the fans are want Volpe, and they want all these guys to come up and do these things. Aaron Judge, right? At home because you have to homegrown these guys. And honestly, the Tigers have failed at it because they just have the the players have gotten hurt. They haven't developed the way they think they have. So that's the problem, guys. It's not on AJ Hinch. It's not his fault. It's yep. the development side, and that's why they got rid of the GM, brought a new guy in. But they have to develop better and then go out and make the splash to put them over the top. But right now, they're at least a fourth-place team in that division, if not fifth-place team. Good. We're all on the same page. Let's bring on Ken Rosenthal, our insider right now, to catch up this week, and we'll do WBC in a sec. Let's just get his take, too, because, I mean, we've talked about the Tigers for years as a rebuilding ball club. And, and all they have to do, we mentioned the Rays, and that's why I say don't don't make injuries as an excuse. The Rays deal with plenty of that. But Ken, all all Cleveland has to do, or all Detroit has to do is look over at Cleveland. They they basically didn't even rebuild. They did the complete reload mode. And they're already looking really good. They've drafted and developed like absolute champs. And the Tigers haven't done that. So we had AJ Hinch on before Ken. And my only point, and then it became a whole to do. My only <laughs> point was that I kind of felt bad for AJ because he's just been dealt a bad hand right now. The roster's not good. Your thoughts? I agree. And he knew what he was getting into. There's no question about that. And what had to happen was a regime change. And Alavila, good man, but it was time. So Scott Harris comes in. He is someone who's considered quite bright. 
well-respected in the game, someone who's thought of as a rising star. And it has to be a systematic overhaul of every aspect of what they're doing. Player development, scouting, amateur, international, you name it. They've got to get better at it. And they've also made questionable decisions at the major league level. I heard AJ talking about how some of their pitchers have gotten hurt. They did have the, this group of pitchers that was supposedly ready to go that didn't stay healthy. That happened. But you need more. And it's not that their system is completely empty or failed them, but it hasn't been enough. And obviously, they've got to start going in a better direction. I mean, thank you, Ken. We agree. Yeah, we all totally. agree. I think we all agree. Exactly. Nobody really had anything to say because no. we were kind of like, yeah. Happier <laughs> thoughts then. Let's do WBC. So uh, I want to get into, first off, your observations from last night. Uh, Mr. What is it? 10 games in 12 days? Did I get that right? Yeah. 10 games in, 10 games in 12 days. I'm just saying, Ken, in the beginning of the show, I was like, Ken's working way harder than you guys. So, so you're at the game late last night, way past AJ's bedtime. Uh, USA looked much better. Bats were clicking. But at the same time, it was a 19-year-old A-ball pitcher that they were going up against. So it was batting practice for the dream team, right? Essentially, it was, Scott. And they needed a win like that. And Lance Lynn came up really big on a night that they frankly needed their two pitchers that they were going to use, the starting pitchers, Lance Lynn and Miles Michaelis, to give them probably seven of nine innings. Now, it turns out they only had to play seven. Because of the mercy rule that was in effect, they won by 10 or more runs. And that really helped. So that will help them reset their pitching, which has been a problem, or it was a problem in the Mexico game. Offensively, we've been waiting for that kind of performance. You look at the names in the lineup, and it's ridiculous. But at the same time, you guys know this, it's the middle of spring training. The timing is not quite there in many cases. In the Great Britain game, they're facing Vance Worley, who's not even really throwing 90. That's throwing them off. So it does take some time. Unfortunately, in this tournament, there's not a lot of time to get yourself straight. That game last night, though, should put them on the right track. Columbia's loss yesterday helps them a lot as far as the possibility of advancing. I do expect them to advance. I expect them to beat Columbia on Wednesday. But as we've seen, it's not easy. And international tournament play is a different animal than what we're used to seeing in Major League Baseball. So where do they stand then? Who, who's going to start on Wednesday? Do we know? Have they announced it? Merrill Kelly will start on Wednesday. They should have their relievers available again. They last night were in a spot, AJ, where if things had gone awry with the pitching, they would have had to have scrambled. I'm not quite sure what they would have done. They had so many guys down because – their relievers are not allowed to pitch back-to-back days because of the wishes of their parent club. There are all of these other restrictions that they're facing. They got a good performance from Lance Lynn and a necessary performance from Lance Lynn. When he went five and used all of his 65 pitches in those five innings, it was really exactly what manager Mark DeRosa would have wanted. But on Wednesday, Kelly starts the game. They don't have a piggyback starter available, but I assume – They'll be able to go one inning, one inning, one inning with all of the relievers. And they've got some terrific relievers. So the day off today really helps them reset, as does last night, the idea that they didn't have to use any relievers. Okay, so first of all, USA, if you have one guy that I want to start that game, it's Lance Lynn, because you know he's going to give you five and 65. So that was good on DeRosa. 
the other night when Brady Singer, the whole Brady Singer thing happened with and you, you kind of brought it up. Like, why did DeRosa not have somebody ready? And we talked about this. And I love that you and John Smoltz went back and forth. And, you know, Ken, when we do games, it usually goes like this. Ken, we throw it to you. You give a point. I tell you why you're wrong. And then you never get to answer, <laughs> which is the way it should be. But I actually love the back and forth with you and John because it doesn't get to happen enough. But you talked about him being hamstrung. We talked about this. Like, DeRosa, are the other teams under the same pressure? Because it doesn't seem like when I watch some of the other teams – they're not following the same rules the USA have to follow. Is that just because of USA on their chest? Or I mean, maybe I'm wrong and it just feels different, but you, explain that to me. AJ, you're not wrong. And it's not that they're playing under different rules per se, but they are a team composed entirely of major leaguers. With some of these other teams, you're seeing guys who are not in affiliated baseball, so you can do whatever the heck you want with them. Guys who are minor leaguers, but maybe not big prospects, and you can do whatever you want with them too. When you have a group of entirely major leaguers, you don't have that freedom, and the restrictions are quite significant. As I mentioned, no back-to-back -back days. There are guys who can't enter in a dirty inning with runners on base. There are guys who can't come back for another inning if they escape an inning with runners on base. There are starting pitchers that have to throw on certain days. All of these things are coming into play. Now, the other night with the Brady Singer decision, it was obvious to me and probably obvious to everyone watching, he didn't have it. Smoltz was talking about this, and yet DeRosa didn't get him in an obvious spot right before Joey Manessis came up. Me, as someone who's watching the game, like everyone else, says, what the heck is going on? And that was the question I raised. And I said, basically, it's a first guess or second guess of Mark DeRosa, the first second guess we've had. And John pointed out, rightly so, that there are all of these restrictions in place. And when I wrote about it that night, I wrote a whole column about this whole issue. The flaw in the column was, and I knew it at the time, I wasn't suggesting a solution because guess what? I'm not sure there was a solution in that particular circumstance based on where their pitching was, each restriction on each different pitcher. So DeRosa was in a box. Now, I also said in the column, I suspect that maybe Jim Leland or Davey Johnson or Joe Torrey, one of the previous Team USA managers who had experience, might have figured a way out of this, but maybe not. And maybe it was that kind of situation where DeRosa really was handcuffed, which is what he basically said after the game. So it's a very unusual thing. Obviously, it's the timing of the tournament that is a problem here. You're playing in mid-March. Teams are getting ready for the season. They want their players getting ready while allowing them to participate in the WBC. The problem I have is a couple of things. One, every spring training, a lot of pitchers get hurt under the watch of their parent clubs, right? We see it every spring. Nobody's being reckless here. So you can loosen up a little bit, in my opinion. And if the teams are so great at keeping pitchers healthy, I'm sure not seeing it. The other problem, and it's no disrespect to anyone on the Team USA pitching staff because these are some of the best pitchers in the league, but are they the best? I can't say they are. We have a situation here where every American who received the Cy Young vote last year, I think there were 14 of them, none of them is pitching for Team USA. These are the Americans. None of them who received the Cy Young vote is pitching for Team USA. Ernesto Cortez, 
He had to bow out. Okay, that's one. He had his physical situation. But there's not the commitment that there is from other countries. Look at the Dominican staff. They've got Alcantara. They've got Javier. The Japanese staff, Otani and Darvish. Until we see that, it's going to be always a situation with the U.S. team where you're kind of playing halfway. And perhaps there's no other way in this tournament. I get it because of the time of year. But it can be a source of frustration when you're watching this all play out. Does the, the I know the team set up this stuff, but we heard about Kershaw. You know, he wasn't able to get the insurance. Is that is the insurance part of like, hey, we'll give this guy the insurance plan, but you can't throw, uh, you know, you can't throw Daniel Bard on back-to-back days in the insurance. Does the insurance company come into that too, or is this just a team thing? No. Eric, the insurance is separate. That is simply an eligibility question. Certain players, if they cannot get insurance, simply cannot play. And that is what happened with Kershaw. He explored buying his own, but it was, I guess, prohibitively expensive. And a fan might say, oh, my God, he's making $20 million a year. He can afford it. Well, if he's paying, I don't know, just for the sake of discussion, $3 million to pitch twice, I don't know if I would take that chance. That's not necessarily a good use of your money. So insurance definitely is a factor in who gets to pitch. But a number of American starters simply didn't want to pitch. And I'm not going to mention any names specifically. It's a group of them, a whole group of them. You can understand Verlander and Scherzer, they're older. It's not the time for them. But some of the younger aces, I wouldn't have liked to have seen them. But again, each circumstance is different. Each player has his own thing. Maybe if you're a star pitcher, you want to prepare in your way. You don't want to be distracted and disrupted by the WBC. Freddie Freeman put it really well the other day. He said the goal of every player is to be a major league baseball player. That's what you're trying to do. That's where you're trying to succeed. And for the WBC, in the middle of a spring training, getting ready for a season, it can be disruptive, and it's not for everyone. We all get that. DeRosa gets that too. But at the same time, it sometimes seems like for a variety of reasons, the U.S. is not putting its best foot forward. I was imagining D-Row on the line with Geico. Like, <laughs> D-Row, Geico on line one. Hey, D-Row, uh, we don't want Bard or Bednar hot today. You know, appreciate it. Thanks, man. <laughs> hey, on. one thing I should add too, it goes back to AJ's point. Why are different countries seemingly doing things differently? And I mentioned that they don't have the major leaguers necessarily on their roster. But yesterday, in the Great Britain game against Colombia, when Great Britain had that tremendous upset, a guy named Ian Jabot closed it out for Great Britain. He's in the Reds organization. He's on their 40-man. He pitched two innings as a reliever. Some people with Team USA, actually one person, said to me, how is that guy pitching two innings? So I don't know why certain guys aren't treated the same way. Maybe the Reds don't value Ian Jabot as much. I don't know. But at the same time, that's the kind of inconsistency that is frustrating to some of the players. And one of the points I raised in my column was, if the position players, most of whom are our best, right, they see this happening where the pitchers aren't committing to the same extent that they are. Well, maybe they say the next time, we're not putting our best foot forward. I'm not going to do this. And that would be a difficult spot for the U.S. to be in. That would be unfortunate. 
Hey, the think... reason Garbo, hold on, Crouch. The reason yeah, yeah. Garbo got to pitch is because they felt bad for the Great Britain uniform, so the Reds were like, "Screw it, let them close out a win for them." Because they saw their uniforms <laughs> that was one and they're the like, "Listen, they're bad enough." History. <laughs> his letter <laughs> fell off. First of all, his letter uniform. fell off. The uniforms are among the worst I've ever seen. I mean, there are youth <laughs> programs that have much better uniforms in Great Britain, and then yes, the T in Great Britain was falling off, and it kind of went in stages. It fell off a little bit, and then the whole thing just went well, to the ground. Hey, those Brits don't use their teeth. Tomato, you want a tomato? And now they skipped the teeth, so that's why it fell off. <laughs> yes, I, I like many people, were laughing about that, and you know AJ can understand having some tea drop. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Was, was Canada punting last night, Ken? Were they punting that game? No, they weren't punting. And as, actually, as I said on the opening to the broadcast, in 2006, they started Adam Lowen. He was 22 at the time. He's older than Matt Batch was. But he was still a guy that was a young guy, inexperienced. They started him. They beat the U.S. with Adam Lowen. Adam Lowen, of course, pitched in relief last night all of these years later, 17 years later. So they had done it before. They figured they'd try it again. But there is some strategic thinking with how they do it. And I don't know, Eric, if I'd say they were punting, but they need to beat Colombia and Mexico the next two days. And yes, they did line up their pitching in a way that perhaps will give them a better chance to do that. And yes, you could then say a 19-year-old kid pitching against that lineup is a punt. Certainly, I don't know about you guys, but watching that, I felt for that kid. You could see as I believe Smoltz said, maybe it was Jason Bonetti, you could see the pain on his face when Ernie Witt came to get him. He'll be fine. We all know that. These are talented, the most talented players. But that was a tough spot, no doubt. Yeah, good story for him eventually, especially if things work out for him in his career. Sorry, I have to circle back for a second just because your boot's on the ground out there. How does this Great Britain jersey fiasco happen? Like, this is the World Baseball Classic, Ken. We've known about this for years. This is a sport showing off how cool it is on an international stage. I know it's not Team USA, DR, etc. But the fact that we're using uniforms that were typed out in Arial font on Microsoft Word and printed out basically of a paper printer and put on these poor guys is out of control, unacceptable. The red ones were a little bit better, but still, I don't understand how this happens. Like, how, how does this sneak by and and our league officials or others around the game embarrassed about not being able to have uniforms better than a T-ball situation in Name That Town? Scott, you have completely stumped me with this one. I am not a fashion expert. I don't even explore fashion. That is some great video right there. But at the same time, I have to ask the question, too. And granted, they operate on a much lesser budget than other teams. But I don't believe that they're buying their own uniforms. It seems to me that they're getting them, I would imagine, from the WBC and MLB. It is absurd. But don't and they have some say? There has to be somebody. There has to be somebody in Great Britain. I mean, I wouldn't it, play for Great Britain if they, if I showed up and that's my uniform. I'm going there home. has to be somebody that looked at these in the Great Britain Baseball Federation was like, no, <laughs> this is not, no. Quality control, where is no. it? That's my question. <laughs> at The Athletic, we do pride ourselves 
on some of our investigations, I believe we need to get cracking on this one. <laughs> Who's good at this? No, like um, I love uh, Stephen Nesbitt, right? Wouldn't this be maybe a story up his alley to do some digging yes, on would this? Be. Okay. Yes, and I will text him when we're off. And Stephen Nesbitt is one of our great writers, and he is a master of this kind of offbeat story. And he will also, if he does do this story, and I'm not saying he will, he probably has 23 things on his plate, he would give it the appropriate level of outrage in his writing. <laughs> That's why I love him. Yeah, I just want your answer, and, and we're going to make it short before, because we'll get in an argument, because I know what your answer is going to be. Actually, I know what Kratz's answer is going to be. Last night, Puerto Rico threw eight perfect innings. That is not a perfect game. Please don't call it a perfect game. I want to know your opinion. It's not a perfect game. Nine innings. That's what you need for a perfect game. It was Thank you. perfect for eight. Thank you. Thank you. Did you know that was what I was going to say, AJ? I, I don't think I would, you did. I ha no, I did think you were going to say that because we've talked about this before. So I okay. Now, Kratz does not agree, and I don't think Scott agrees. They, they're like, oh, it's perfect. I'm like, no, because you know how many times, eight and two-thirds, eight and a third, it gets broken up. Yes. you got to finish it. They couldn't finish it. Um, I, I, I agree, though. I, I don't think it's a perfect game. It, it was a perfect inning. So um, they weren't given the opportunity, but sucks. That's, that's life sometimes. You know, um, Ken, thank you. This was great. Appreciate it. As always, we'll talk to you later this week. Have fun. Keep working way harder than AJ and Kratzy and me out there. <laughs> Excellent, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. That was good. Um, you know, especially on, on the Bauer stuff, for yeah. me, I can say I've been looking forward to being on a show like this to be able to, like, go all out on the conversation and just be like, throw yeah. all the shit on the table. What's... What's the real story here? What do fans want to hear about the story? Because I am totally that guy on the athletic articles looking and then going to the comment section for a few minutes just because I want to see what the pulse of the crowd is. Who's the judge? That, that's the thing. The judge is each team, team saying they don't want to deal with him. I, I agree. But you said you brought up Marcelo Zuna, Roberto Ozuna. There's been Roberto Ozuna with Clevenger, the Astros. Clevenger just there, had one. You're right. There's, there's plenty of situations. Right? So, but each team handles it differently. Yeah. So I think the, the, the question is, and I, you know, listen, nobody condones anything that, you know, any touching of women or anything like anybody really, but especially women No, who's the judge who major league baseball. What do you mean? Excuse who's me. The came, judge? came down and said, Trevor Bauer, you're getting 324 games. Right. But then Marcelo Zuna, I think was alleged to have grabbed his wife and choked her by her neck, right? And like by held a gun to her head or whatever. He, I, I'm not, I don't, the details aren't right. So sorry, they're not, I, but I think he grabbed her by the neck and had her up against a wall or whatever. And then he got a DUI, but he's still playing, right? So who's the judge to say, well, what Trevor Bauer did was different than what Marcelo Zuna did. And I hate to call it Marcelo Zuna. He's just probably the latest one that kind of, you know, that comes because you know, there's been up. multiple but situations. Been multiple Roberto Zuna had a bad situation, no doubt about it. But they don't get the same. The treatment has not been the same. And not only that, but publicly, I feel like it hasn't been as bad. Maybe inside those cities, but maybe nationally, right? Kratz, do you agree? Like, who's the judge? Who is it just a public outcry that, that causes it, or is it something else? I, I mean, I think you look at, you know, where does – what city do they play in, maybe? Is it the media outcry? And no, you're, you're on the judging part, you're right. Like – if we want to lay out everything, and this is part of being a professional athlete, if you want to lay out everything you've ever done and, like, let people judge you for the things that you've done, 
Like to me, those are the only people that can, you know, sit here and judge other people because we've all done things that are wrong. Some people's things, some people might say, well, this is worse than other things, but I don't think, I don't think Trevor Bauer, what he did is necessarily the sentiment of what he's getting. I think it's about how, how, how remorseful has he been about it? Because I think a lot of people make mistakes and I think the remorseful part might be where his, you know, the sentiment that people are getting. Yes. What he did was, was grotesque and it was, it was bad, but just like the other people that you said, what they did was grotesque and bad. And, you know, we would turn our nose up and say, Oh, I would never do anything like that. But if there's remorse in that, I think that goes a long way. And I think it goes a long way from the victims. I think it goes a long way from anybody else that has, has dealt with issues like that. And, you know, I think that's the only way Scott, you said it. I don't think this issue's over. I think that's how Bauer moved forward. Yeah. Well, okay. So we got to bring oh, in our next guest. I know, but second. real quick, on just yeah. like one word answer, yes or no. Will he pitch in the major leagues again? Yes. 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 I think a team, he's going to go to Japan. It's not up to me. I'm not the no, public neither. court of opinion. All I'm saying is one team at some point is going to feel like it's been enough time removed. And maybe something also changes during that time period too, where they have an, a, a conversation with him. And a team will just say, okay, I feel like this is a guy that I want back on a ball club. And they'll look at talent. There's plenty of shitheads that have played <laughs> in baseball over the years and in play, to, play in every sport, right? Yeah. And, and there's guys that do really dumb shit, um, inappropriate things, whatever it is, and each team has their own line. Some teams say anything in this category, no thanks, immediately you're out of here, and some don't. I'm just reporting the facts on it, right? Am no, I, right? I agree. If he goes over and pitches great in Japan and has a year and he goes out and I don't know. I don't know. Twelve and two with a two and a half ERA. A team's going to sign. That's that's my thing. You know, he hasn't pitched in years, so a team's going to watch him, and a team's probably going to give him back and, and feel like you know get him back and feel like there's been enough time removed. The last thing I'll say is just from observing teams over the years, some teams really care about character and do their homework and make sure the guy's going to mesh in with the clubhouse. And they call a million people and say, how is this guy when they're signing him? Just in general, how, how is he as a person? And some teams do just about nothing. Each team's different. Right. So some teams just say, here's how he'll fit into the team numbers-wise. Let's sign him. So Because we see that all the time, you know, where you're like, oh, I knew that guy wasn't going to play well down there. You know, the guy goes out every night. Now you're, you're putting him in Miami. We talk about that stuff all the time. So anyway, <laughs> let's get into it right now with uh, Alex Fast on some other topics pitching wise. Uh, joining us right now at Alex Fast 8. Um, we've become social media friends. I very much respect what he does on socials. Rising star in our industry. Um, oh. And uh, yes, Alex, absolutely. Seeing you all over the place and we'll see you even more this season on a number of platforms, whatever you want to get into on that front, certainly let us know. I want to start here though, Alex, great to have you on. And I was mm -hmm. trying to describe to the guys what your role is in baseball media. And I brought up a comp, not necessarily the same exact, but I said, Mike Petriello contributes a lot to our industry, right? In the StatCast mm -hmm. world and advancing us in terms of how we analyze things. Um, was that a fair comp to be in that, in that category of how you're contributing to the game? 
Man, yeah. First of all, thanks for having me. Second of all, yeah, totally honored to be compared anytime to Mike Petriello. It just also cracks me up that we're like, all right, guys, what do we got in the broadcast today? We got AJ starting off with a bang. Then we got Ken Rosenthal. Then we have some guy named Alex. <laughs> like, it just absolutely cracks me up. I think the Petriello cop is great. I'll take that all day. I might, I might even put that on a business card. Kind of like Petriello light, I think, is, uh, <laughs> is, a, is a good way to describe it, I think. That beard is not light, by the way. That beard you have is full-grown adulthood. This is the this is the this is the biggest beard I've ever had in my entire life. It's the closest I've ever felt to a real man. You watch Mad Max once, next thing you know, bam, you've got this full-grown beard. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's great. So I, I know nothing about you. I'm not gonna lie. Like Scott's, like we have this guy coming on, Alex Vast. He's big into pitching. He's big on Twitter. He's big on you know on social media. He's won sports Emmys. So what? Explain to not only myself, but other people out there what you do and how you do it so that they can understand like what you're into, like driveline and you're into pitching metrics and explain this to, to the common people. Sure. I, I'm one of them, right? I'm a common person. I, I, I think I'm in love with the sport. I've always been in love with the sport. One of the things that I try and do is make that love contagious and share why this sport is so important. Uh, I talk a lot with people in front offices and people who are studying baseball, and they say that one of the one of the biggest problems that we have right now is we don't have natural conduits to describe what analytics is. Right? We have the front office nerds who are still very much the front office nerds, which I'm one of those, and then we have the player, and there's a disconnect, right? Because there's no opportunity to take spin efficiency, tilt, uh, you know, spin direction, seam shifted wake, and make those relatable um, notions, right? Make those something that we can like actually break down and talk about in a key way and deliver to a pitcher and say, hey, I'm not going to give you a bunch of numbers. I'm going to talk to you like a human being, and I'm going to say to you, this is what you need to do to make yourself more effective, maximize your potential, and earn more money for your family. That's the kind of baseball analyst I want to be, someone who can break down heady terms and make them more relatable. I also have been very fortunate to talk to a lot of major league baseball players. And one other goal that I have personally is to help people see the human aspect of it, right? You know, I, I think back to a conversation that we had with Paul Seawald, um, uh, who's, a, a I think, a top 10 reliever in baseball right now, um, the great reliever for the Mariners. And talk about, you know, the death threats that he receives on Instagram uh, and all of the, you know, the depression that guys can go through um, and what that's like and that mental toll that things take. And I always try to relate to people those stories, right? Like no one wants to screw up at work. Like you think like a pitcher like goes out there and they're like, I'm going to throw a sinker and I'm going to give up a 410 foot home run. I think that's what I'm going to do today. You know what I mean? I, I think that's probably what my goal is today. I'm sure that they've waited their entire life to give up a home run on the biggest platform in the world. And like, I just want people to realize that like, that's not their goal. They're going to go home to their kids and they're going to go home to their wife and they're going to have to try and process that. Like I get upset when I screw up at work and there's no one watching me. I'm a nobody. They get, you know, they, they screw up in front of millions of people. So that's kind of all over the place. But I guess the TLDR is I just want to share this love for the game and help it grow to the best of my ability. Now, now, Alex, I know you're not a player because if you've never gone 0 for 4 and come home and your wife's like, how the hell did you not get a hit off? 
Max Scherzer today, then you are not definitely not a player. So if you can explain that to you know the people that don't play, I appreciate it. Sure. What about my what about my appearance? Let you know I'm not a baseball player because is it, <laughs> no. is it the overweightness? Is, is that what it is? It's the beard that it doesn't have gray patches in it. That's why. <laughs> no, this is revealing though. AJ saying, "Hey, fans are one thing, fam." They oh, can get man. after you after a game. What happened? No, you're right. I've spoken to plenty of players. Kids, that, moms, dads, wives, parents, grandchildren. Oh, my. I, parents go. of current players oh. where the conversation is just what is kind of like, what did you do wrong? How do we fix that for oh, the next one? And I'm like, okay, maybe that's part, partially why they got there. But also coming from a guy whose mom once sent him stick figures on how to hit when he was in the big leagues. Wow. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> I love that joke. So I, I to try and make that even more relatable for people at home. Like I, I'm a producer in my day job. I send out Excel spreadsheets all day. I can't imagine like I send out an email that has a typo in it and coming home to my wife and she's like, what was that? You're, you're, we're sending out typos now? Is that what we're doing? We're sending out typos? How much do you make? And you're going to send out a typo to the company? Like that's crazy to me. Hey, Alex, I want to ask you about how your job can actually impact big league pitchers as well, because this has changed a lot, right? Not every pitching coach in the big leagues has even had anything to do with the big leagues before they got there. College pitching coaches, even seen the high school pitching coaches move their way up the ladder with no playing experience. My point is, I want you to explain what you're working on at whatever you can reveal stat wise and how that can actually help current pitchers. And I'll do like kind of the the bragging for you and I'll use examples. Okay. Pitching Ninja mm -hmm. driveline places or people that didn't pitch at all. Didn't even, I mean, pitching Ninja, as far as I know, did never worked in baseball at all, but that have brilliant minds. And there are pitchers that have relationships with people like that or have relationships with certain data points to help them improve. And I put you in that category with some of the research you're working on too. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's best to kind of house this in the context of the, the finger pressure thing that I'm trying to do right now, right? So this this graph that you're seeing right now, I'm super excited about. Um, and I'm going to do my best to kind of walk the line of analytics and relatability here. So what we're seeing right now is finger pressure, like measured. On the far left, it's when a pitcher starts his delivery. And on the far right, it's on release. So as far as I know, this has never been quantified before right um this is a project that i grew passionate about a couple of weeks ago about like I i've heard a lot of dudes being like yeah we, we know finger pressure matters right like we know that the amount of pressure that we're applying to a ball on our four seamer or maybe on a slider with the middle finger we know that that's going to have an impact on the pitch we can't tell you how right now right and i was like all right let me see if i could figure out a way to quantify it i've got this now patent pending wearable, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say in my life, that measures just that. And to me, that's really, really exciting, right? And one of the reasons, one of the many reasons that's exciting to me is it can change the foundation of how we're developing pitch design or pitches in general and an arsenal, right? From what I've heard from some of those dudes that you've mentioned, when you're talking about how you're going to build an arsenal, the foundation can often be grips, Right. Like what, right, what grip are you throwing? Have you ever tried this? You ever tried moving your hand around the ball this way? Maybe doing this, maybe doing that. We're talking about maybe you taking a step back and being like, all right, cool. Let's see how much pressure you're putting on the ball and let's quantify that and let's try and make that impactful. So that's what you would kind of talk to a front office about or like the analytics about. If I was talking to a pitcher, I'd be like, hey, man, 
you ever think about like just applying a little bit more pressure on your middle finger and then as a result you're gonna get more of a sweeper and you're gonna get more whiffs because of the way that that works with your four seamer and if i can get you more whiffs maybe we can you know bring your whip down or it not make you so babbit dependent or something like that um you know maybe it'll help you know show off the carry that you have on your four seamer and stuff like that that I think to them is a little bit more interesting, especially because we can quantify it in a way that's kind of minimally invasive, right? That's the other thing. I'm not trying to provide pitchers a piece of tech that is something that's going to make them feel like a robot, right? There's like this kind of fine line where they need to wear something where they still feel like they're a human being who can pitch the way that they need to pitch. But we also need to show them that they can get better results with using something like that. So we did a study last month. We found out some really interesting findings, writing an article about it now. It's going to go out in Pitcher List later this week. Um, we can get into that if you want, but we're going to do some more studies. And I, I think hopefully we're at the forefront of something that could be really big for the pitch design process. Does it have anything to do with like injuries? Does, does your pressure point patent? Does it have, you know, because obviously when you're, when you're talking about, you know, somebody developing a new pitch, you know, they have the sleeves. I, what, I'm not sure what the sleeve is called. Do you know? Yeah, like the Mobius sleeve, I think, Mo, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, Mobius. You know, some guys, you know, when they when they put their fingers out on a splitter, you know, there's more there's more um, stress structurally. You know, does your does your patent pending whatever you just said was wearable? Patent pending wearable. Yeah. It kind of sounds sure. sexy, so I like it. But. <laughs> Is it like, like, is there, have you found data from that as far as injuries? Cause that could be, you, you might, you will never sell another Excel spreadsheet again. You, cause if you can, if you can figure out injuries, you're going to fix the world baseball classic. You're going to fix every prospect. You're going to fix every organization and you can sell that for $1 billion. Yeah. Two things. One, if we could have you as our, sexy patent pending wearable model i think we're gonna sell even more you know what i mean i, I think we just got to get you as our new cover guy um <laughs> great you heard it here first uh so i uh, listen i'm not so vain enough to say that man i did it i found a finger pressure thing i found a way to quantify it and i've solved the the, the tommy john epidemic but i will say that one of the impetuses for this was an old Tyler Glasnow quote from last year, right? I'm sure you guys probably you talked about it internally about, he said, we got rid of the sticky stuff and I gripped harder. And that's why I got injured. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's pretty much the TLDR of what he said, right? We got rid of the sticky stuff. I had to grip my four seam a little bit harder. I felt something in my elbow. I went back out again. I still had to grip hard to kind of compensate for the lack of sticky stuff. And I, now, now I'm on the IL, right? anecdotally because we've only done one study the the pitcher that i was working with i had him increases uh index finger pressure on his four seamer had him increases uh middle finger pressure on his slider um this was brandon michael mann who works at driveline he was a, a pitcher for the texas rangers organization pitched over in korea and japan and taiwan he, you know he, he can he can throw a bunch he's just amazing he's got like kind of a rubber arm and after we did it for a little while he was like huh yeah my 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 uh my elbow's barking a little bit it's never really barked before now obviously when i hear that i'm like all right let's take it a little bit easy we don't want to go too crazy with the finger pressure we want to get you back out here tomorrow doing something um but it there is a possibility that we could down the line quantify this finger pressure and say hey man if you lighten up a little bit on your middle finger you're not going to change your movement profile whatsoever you're still going to have success with the pitch and you're going to cause less strain on your elbow 
right? So that's another, that's why I'm so excited about this. There's another huge potential to do that. And like I said, we're not going to say, hey, we did it. We solved Tommy John. All it had to do with was less uh, pressure on your middle finger. But if we can have a contributing factor, right? If we can give dudes another thing that can help keep them pitching for longer, that's what I'm all about, man. That's what that's what we want to see. Yep. Wow. It'd be amazing if you first. I, 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 if you can, finger pressure causes Tommy John again. Eric, like Eric said, you don't need spreadsheets. But what does TLDR mean? TLDR for... is uh, is is too. All right, yeah. Sorry, I'm talking to all the Gen Zers out there uh, and millennials. It's too long. Didn't read. Okay. It's like you just you just <laughs> oh, said a bunch of man. stuff. You just said a bunch of stuff. What the hell are you need, talking about? I'm going to use that with my wife, but I'm going to change <laughs> yeah. the last one. TLDH or TLDL. Too long. TLDL. Didn't, didn't listen. listen. Didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, if you're going to be talking on TLDL. What? That's good. Too That's long, good for this listen. show, too. If too someone goes listen. too long. <laughs> so, I, 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 first of all, I want one of these. Can you can you send me one of these machines for my the high school kids I helped so I can teach them about finger yeah, pressure? Yeah, buy it. Buy it. Huh? Yeah, you got to buy I'll, it. Free, I'll take three? Wait, what? No. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we can talk, sure. Um, I'm serious. Uh, no, I'm really, I'm serious. No, Alex, you're, you're, you know. you're talking to a bunch of high, these guys, yeah. every, almost everyone on our show. I mean, Fraser's on sometimes too. Like half the hosts we have are, are high school coaches. So of course they're going to be all about this stuff, but, but don't, don't give it AJ. You don't get free 99 unless they're a sponsor. You pay up baby. Okay. I'll give him a dollar. The school's I'll give got him a budget. dollar. The I'll school's give him a got budget. I'll give him a dollar. Anyway. So, no, I do have a serious question though, besides wanting a machine, a finger thing. Cause we, we talked about this with the kids, the pitchers about finger pressure. I talked to them about like on their slider, how to get the ball to move, like try different things, like you said. But so we have, we're fortunate enough to have a Yacker tech. I'm sure you know what a Yacker tech is, Alex at our, at my kid's high school. And every game it spits out the number spin rate and vertical movement, horizontal movement, uh, velocity. What's the most important analytic for a pitcher, say high school age, to look at on that, like on, on whatever analytics machine you're able to have? Like we're, again, we're fortunate to have this. So what is the one analytic that you would say, kids, look at this and improve this if you want to be a better pitcher? Oh, man, listen, I don't want to it's a two-parter. I don't want to cop out and say it's all important, but a part of it is like letting them know that it is contextual. Like that's a super important thing, right? Like spin rate is a perfect example. I see a lot of people be like, well, his spin rate is 2,500. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whatsoever. Spin rate in a vacuum almost means nothing, right? You want to look at spin efficiency, right? I'll say this though. If there are two metrics that they want to, that they want to focus on, focus on the movement profile, focus on the horizontal and the vertical break. That's what they want to be focusing on. Everything else can be contextualized into that, right? Oh, I'm amping up my spin efficiency. I'm, I'm changing this. Uh, it doesn't matter. What does your, your movement look like? Actually, I'm going to add one more. Velo and movement. Bam. That's it. Uh, yeah, these are young guys. Go ahead. I'm guys, not going to cut you off because every kid goes, man, I want to throw hard, right? But then I'm like, well, then you watch like Greg Maddox and he's 88 and the ball's going, phew, phew, and no one can hit him, right? And then you yeah. got a guy coming out there throwing 100 and guys are just teeing off on him. So, so that's the, the, the fine line, right, as a coach slash parent slash observer of, of younger kids and high school kids. They're like, man, I got to hit 90. I got to hit 90. But then there's kids out there that can pitch just as well, but the ball moves all over the place. But they're not getting the recruiting and they're not getting the, the chance to go to the next level because they're not throwing 90. They're only throwing 86. I just want to throw this in there because I do a lot on the, in the prospect world. Your chances of making it 
if you're throwing in the 80s, not that high. And scouts are not looking at you that way. So that's the one thing that will separate you. But yeah, but how do I velocity. tell? But, but how, and Greg Maddox retired 15 but, years ago. Maybe Alex, this is a better way to put it. What do I tell a kid that physically can't throw a 90 to look at besides velocity? Right now, join no. the Guardians and they'll get your velocity up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that. Maybe I phrased it wrong, and Scott Scott helped me. So thank you, Scott. But you see what I'm saying? Like most kids in high school can't throw 90. Yes, there's the kids that. But like, what do I tell a kid that's a sophomore in high school that is a good pitcher? has the potential when he gets to be a senior to be in the 90s. How do I mm-hmm. tell him, hey, dude, we're going to look at this on the analytics that we have. Let's work on this for now. And as you grow and get stronger, you're going to get – I mean, you know, we got a kid 85 to 87 right now, right? He's a sophomore. But he's like, God, I got to hit 90 so I can commit to a Division One Power 5. I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. if you go out and you pitch and you can throw a breaking ball for a strike and you can do this, then you – They'll see the projectability. So, so what's that? Again, it would have to be movement. You would say uh, it would definitely movement. And honestly, find you. Like, who are you as a pitcher? Don't worry about what your buddy is doing. Yeah, sure. Maybe he can throw ninety two. Maybe he can throw ninety three. Whatever. Maybe he gets a nastier curveball than you do. Right. What what are you as a pitcher, right? Because I, I, I'm not going to speak for driveline. I don't work at driveline. I've been fortunate enough to work with them. I think they do absolutely fantastic work. But if I understand correctly, one of the ways that they work with pitchers to help unlock their potential is finding what they mechanically do well and building from there, right? So in my mind, it's dangerous to go, I, you know, I love Max Scherzer, so I'm going to pitch like Max Scherzer, right? Maybe that's not your body. Learn if you're a natural pronator. Learn if you're a natural supinator. Learn what feels best for you when you're pitching and try and max out your potential that way because there's no one else who's going to pitch like you because there's no other you. So learn that. Learn what you do well, right? Because I think about dudes, there's so many different examples and I'm not going to get too much into it because I'm already blabbing enough, but like Strowman is not like a dude who's going to blow you away with stuff, right? But that man has never had a FIP above four in like an eight-year career, which is unbelievable, right? No one needed to tell him, oh, you need to change this. And maybe they did because maybe they didn't think he was going to have success. He stuck with it. He stuck with it. And he's had success. So learn you. That's probably the best piece of advice I can get. But also, who am I? Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I... You got an Emmy over your shoulder. Yeah, exactly. It clearly... No, it's chocolate, dude. It's all chocolate. It's chocolate-wrapped. It's got proprietary wearable technology. I mean, Alex knows what's up. But the reason I mentioned the Guardians, too, I'll just say this for the crowd. If they're like, why did I say that is I've hosted, especially day two and day three of the draft for like a decade now. And for example, especially over the past five years, the Guardians will you can tell you see it. You're like, oh, here's a control and command guy from college. He's throwing 92. And by the time the Cleveland Guardians get him up through their system, he might be 96, 97. And now he's ridiculously good because he had that control and command. Just saying, like, they've done that superbly well. And that's a great example for anyone out there if you go one step back. Hey, I only throw 85, but I know where it's going every time. I've got a great mix. I know what I'm doing. There is a spot for you. The Guardians are a perfect example, not to digress too much. Bieber and Tristan McKenzie, they don't do what the league does. Those are not elevated four seam drop your breaker dudes like Bieber's coming in low with that four seamer. I don't know a lot of like pitching organizations are going to be like, yeah, let's drop that four seamer down to the bottom of the zone. Right. That's just not (laughs) happening a lot. But but Cleveland, they do that. Guys like Kevin Galsman, they do that. Perfect examples. Know what your arsenal is. Know how it all works together and then find success that way. Don't chase the hot thing. 
So I, I, last... You keep showing me all big. It's like, I, I don't even want to see this. I don't even like looking in a mirror. It's, well, you're, you're, you're like on this. digital TV. I mean, the, the crew right. behind the scenes does a great job here. And they're me grabbing too. a bunch me of too. quotes from for the uh, for the ticker, too. But, Alex, let's finish with this. On the Major League side, because you're watching games like we are every single night, um, whether it's through spring training or watching WBC or just through some crunching numbers, give us a name or two. Someone you're super excited to see this year, whether it's a new pitch or projectability, you know, this will help for fantasy leagues. This will help for us placing bets on potentially either the guy winning a Cy Young or his team doing better and uh, outperforming his win totals. Help us out a little bit here. If I, if I squint, if I take out my contacts and I look real hard, I can project George Kirby getting a few Cy Young votes. I am so excited about George Kirby. There are some things that he did in the second half that were so exciting to me. One of the things that you want to limit when you're a pitcher is hard hit fly balls, right? Majority of home runs are hard hit fly balls. So you want to take your fly balls. You want to make them nice and soft, you know, under 95 miles an hour exit velocity. George Kirby, I think had one hard hit fly ball in the second half last year. That's remarkable. That man in a rookie year put together some very impressive stuff and sure, you could always regress in your sophomore year, but I'm very excited about him. The other one is Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan went to driveline this year, which always cracks me up. The, the meme that I have right now is like going to driveline is like he went to Jared's now. It's like, oh, my God, he went to, <laughs> he went to driveline. Oh, that's amazing. Um, we got to get some like ad for that. Uh, anyway, the, uh, Joe Ryan already had an elite four seamer. He hides it super well. Uh, it's a, a very effective pitch for him. Started really well, amping up that slider usage last year. Slider kind of went by the wayside, didn't perform as well. Then all of a sudden, last month of the year, oh, we got a different slider profile. Oh, it's getting a lot of whiffs. Now he's starting the year with a fresh new sweeper. And man, I we've seen guys who can have success with just a four seam slider combination. Christian Javier, Spencer Strider, obviously they have two elite pitches, especially Spencer Strider. But man, you give him that new sweeper, that could be really nice. I'm, I'm excited to watch Joe Ryan this year for sure. Love that. Okay. And that's, for us, some interesting insight on the twins. <laughs> TLDL, Joe Ryan. Hey, Alex, this was great. It was awesome to have you on and chat in person and to enlighten our our catchers here. They've I could see them. It's always good when they're like sitting there and they're going, you, you can see the, the brain churning. The hamster wheel's going. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, Alex, so. I'll be waiting for my finger pressure machine in the mail. Thank you. All right, I'll check the bank account. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Great talking to you. We'll uh, do it again, okay? Thanks, guys. That's Alex Fast. That was fun. He was good. Yeah. He, I, I love when we have guests on and they teach you something about, like, the inside stuff, right? Like finger pressure and and pitch profile and, and, and Gen Z, you know, TLDR. Yeah, things that had no idea. This old folks have no idea about Kratzy, but like it's it's fascinating that like, finger pressure affected the guy's forearm, right? You never think about that. It's like you, you, when you talk to kids in high school about moving on the rubber, they look at you like you're nuts. Why would I move on the rubber? Well, you move because for deception, and if you're always missing over here, well, move over here. You know, and, and it's just it's cool when you get guys on that know what they're talking, about, and they can relate it too. Like he could relate it to the normal person and explained what what all the analytics were. And it was, it was great. Yeah. Good dude. And, and you can see personality, right? If you're going to be super smart like that um, and the delivery is kind of lame, right? Like when you talk to a really smart doctor, but they can't really talk to you, you just know that they're smart. So they're doing the right thing. But I'm like, can you have a commu uh, conversation with me? Anyway, uh, let's finish strong here. Slap hands time. 
Uh, let's get Kratzy. Let's get Kratzy's thoughts here on first off Shohei Otani. So th- this is a big deal for someone who, of course, is not necessarily going to make it to Major League Baseball, and and also just in general, Kratzy. How many times did you come across somebody, especially in the minor leagues, who got to face a big leaguer, and it's somebody that might not ever make it to the big leagues, and they're excited about it? So this is the Czech Republic pitcher who actually struck out Shohei Otani. And then got a picture with him afterward. That's some wholesome content that we all need. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's I, and and I joke about it a lot. And yes, I know I had eleven year parts of eleven years in the big leagues, but I went through the first eight years of my career being a 29th round pick, being a guy that didn't. I was these guys. I was these guys. Like I would have played for the Czech Republic had I, you know, knew where the Czech Republic was. And they accepted me on the team. Like, I would have been that guy. I would have been that guy at a certain point in my career. So when I see stuff like that, like, I love it. Like, the Sasaki guy um, that throws 102, he hit he hit the kid from oh, – now I forget. But he gave him, like – he gave him, like, three bags of candy for – because he hit him. He felt bad, and he, he hit him with, like, the hardest pitch that anybody's ever been hit with or something like that. And like that kind of stuff, like when you don't have the pedigree or the career like AJ has, yes, you're, you're going to cherish, you're going to cherish that Jersey that team Japan just signed with you. So I love all that stuff. I mean, I can probably think of people, but I was that guy. I like that too. I mean, it doesn't matter what career you have. I'd I'd play for Czech Republic, but I'm Polish. I don't know how that would go. So that might play for Poland. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah. Get me on Team Poland, Kratzy. <laughs> you can uh, next for year? Team Poland. You are can you try out. Next? I got to try out? For Team Poland. I don't have credentials? <laughs> we got to make sure you still have it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so, you know what else is awesome? Shohei's been great about this kind of stuff, right? Because yes. remember, who's, someone struck him out. A position, Brett Phillips, maybe? Somebody, remember, struck him out last year, and then he signed, like, a bat for him. Or a, oh, no, it was uh, Clemens' kid. Oh, Cody Cody Clemens. Cody Clemens. Remember, he struck him out? Pitching and then Shohei like signed a bat or a ball and sent it over to him. Like that's, that's pretty cool. cool. Like that's awesome. Like that, who cares? You struck out of a position player. Big deal. But like that's that's awesome. Yeah, I'm a fan. Uh let's get some fan video here too. One other thing social wise, I want to show you. Mike Trout hitting his first home run in the WBC. Can we get what one of 30, 40,000 people were doing during the game? A little video. There it is. There's an angle from the stands in Arizona. Nice. There he is. I was like, wait, (laughs) maybe a few beverages during that video. We lost Mike Trout for a while on the base path. Not quite as good as the Fox cameraman, but but he did okay. That's right when I went to sleep, right when he touched on plate. Then I was like, boom, done. Because it was 9-0. Yeah, game over. That's cool to see the fans' reaction. And the the, the guy to his left was, dude, he he was happy. Yeah, he was happy. Exactly. Big Mike Trout fan. But I Huge. think I think there's something I think there's something there. Obviously, we need a little bit better film quality. But why why do we need to keep having the same camera angles? Why don't we spice it up with our, you know, kind of like with what Seattle does with their, uh, you know, their, their wire cam that goes down the third baseline as the guy's coming around. You know, we had the on field guy. Like, why can't we get some? Why can't we get some more? We just place the cameras at the exact same spots in every single game. And, you know, I don't know TV games, but, you know, maybe you guys can, you guys can talk about this more. That's MLB. 
What, you're not allowed? I, I Listen, I, I'm not going to speak too loosely from what I know. You might know more than I do. What? But Fox, I know Fox, when we do the playoffs, they try to put extra cameras in and they try to move them. But MLB doesn't – they kind of make them put them in the same spots. Like there's not a lot of freedom because when you talk to directors, like the directors I've worked with and the producers, like say we have an off day before the series, they'll come in and they'll look at where the cameras are and they'll say, hey, can we move this? Let's try this. And and Fox has done some different things. And there's been – again, I might be wrong, but from what I've heard, there's been some kickback from the league saying – no, we don't really like that angle. No, let's keep it the way it's been for the last hundred years. No. I don't know. I don't necessarily know the answer to that. I do know, for example, like we, we'd we have to go through the league to get um, a certain player mic'd up, and that's for the player yeah. and the team and all of that. So I don't know about the camera angles. I don't know why you would stop someone from a camera angle. That sounds, even for the league, like a little weird. But I'm, I'm wondering if it's like, oh, they don't want it at a certain angle that you can see in the dugout. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know, I don't know Again, the answer I've to just that. Heard, I've heard producers, directors talking. Why don't you ask one of your producers? Ask them uh, what the deal is. Well, I can't right now, but I will. Right, when, when we're off there. Okay, so military base of the day. Shout out. Camp Dodge is a military installation in the city of Johnstown, uh, Iowa. Johnston or Johnstown? Johnstown, I would say. Um, Currently serves as the headquarters of the Iowa National Guard. I'm thinking Johnston. No Johnston? Okay. No W, no Well, this e. is perfect. We'll put it up on social later and we'll get help. Somebody will clarify for us. I'm learning. I don't have the pronunciation guide there. And Kratz Hats time. And I got something special for the finish line here. Kratz Hats, take it away, baby. Indianapolis Indians played there in 2009, 2010 with some absolute legendary Pittsburgh Pirate rookies as they were about to come up. Kutch came up that year. Actually, it was the first time I'd ever met or played with anybody named McCutcheon, and there was two of them on the team, Daniel McCutcheon and Andrew McCutcheon. Never met another McCutcheon in my life, so if there's more McCutcheons out there, let's go. A little shout-out. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I, I like the, the, what is it, orange with the black there? It's red. It's red? Okay. okay. My yeah, camera. But it's it's we'll got foul to territory it. vibes to it, so I it like does? that. Yes. All right, so this is what I want to finish with because I'd like to clarify if you were with us at the top of the show. AJ went two for two on his non-bets yesterday. So if you'd like to place a real wager, let's make sure we document it. We're on a show. This is posted live, YouTube, podcast, et cetera. I'd like to focus on there, – there's no late night. I'm so going like to I'm gonna take the under on the U.S. game tonight. Ha-ha. They're not playing. There's there's one game this evening, and AJ should be awake for all of it. Dominican Republic hosting Israel. Israel coming off the eight perfect inning loss to mm -hmm. Puerto Rico. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'd like to all get in. AJ can lead the way. Kratzy and I will tail, aka we will throw down as well. How, I'm not telling you how much to wager. You guys want to put a penny down? Go for it. I'm gonna probably go 100 or 200 bucks. So it's Israel DR. There is, you're not doing the money line, like as in no, who's going to win or not. Win. It's, it's 5,000. More than likely. Um, so you can either do the spread, which is seven and a half mm. for DR. So either saying they're going to win by <laughs> yeah. eight runs or more. Mm -hmm. The over under is 12. So 
Oh, is there a night? And there's a late night, Great Britain, Mexico. Yeah, but I want to focus on Israel and, and DR because that seven o'clock's right in the wheelhouse of the, the text thread's going to be firing based on what the result is in this one. Yes, DR should clobber what is it, them. 12 and a half or 12? It's 12. No so hook. If huh? it's, well, if it's 12, look at you, no hook. This guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, if it's 12, then, then uh, nothing happens. You get your money back. So what do you think here? Now, keep in mind, if DR wins a game, 10 nothing. It goes under. That's I why I was worried that. about yesterday. But and it, you don't have to go over under. You can also say, hey, I think DR is going to win by eight runs so or more. So you're putting me on the spot right right now. Huh? Well, Who's I'm pitching? Asking. Who's pitching? Give me a second. And any thoughts, Kratz? Do you want to help out? Uh, I'm liking Steinmetz. Do you know Steinmetz? Big, big fan. Big Jacob fan Steinmetz. Big fan. Okay. And, Jacob and Steinmetz. He's Contreras right up your alley. for DR, which I'm assuming is Ronzi Contreras. Who's the Pirates prospect, and now we've seen him in the bigs. Yeah, swinging this stuff. I'm gonna like the I like the over because first of all, Israel got eight innings of no run, base runner, so they're mm-hmm. bound to like sneak one in there, like a run. So that makes it eleven to one. I think DR they're 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 a little fired up, you know, Venezuela. They got to win, so the gas the pedal's down. Uh, I, I like the over. Over. I like runs, and I like the over. Okay. I got all excited. So last night I was watching the Puerto Rico game, and it was six nothing. Lindor comes up. Hits the ball like from base load. I'm like, there it is, the over. Boop, top of the wall, triple. I'm like, God dang it, they're not gonna get to the ten. <laughs> and then I was like, run rules. And then, and then they, then Maldonado's coming around third. I'm like, you're gonna throw him out by twenty feet. Say, oh yeah, we win. That's why it's fun, even on a game that's uh, not close. Kratzy, are you tailing? We going over tonight? Well, can can we parlay it with the the spread? Yeah, sure. Is that what you want? You want to go over and the spread for DR? Yes. Okay. I will tell both bets and we'll see how we do. It's all documented. It's real. Um, it's proof. There's no, you know, oh, I thought you were being sarcastic on the text. I thought a dollar <laughs> meant a hundred dollars. I did. <laughs> did any... <laughs> I really did think that. <laughs> well, you're, you must be a great tipper then. <laughs> AJ, Kratzy, I'm Braun. Todd Frazier with us the rest of the week, I believe. I'm just throwing rumors out there. We'll see. Oh, we got big guests coming up the rest of this week too on FT Live. Love you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.